Let's look in John chapter 20. John chapter 20. Now, going to be getting reading in verse 21. While you're opening your Bibles, uh, we're glad to have you here tonight. Uh, those of you who are watching live stream, we're glad to have you online tonight. And uh, we're going to be looking at a message entitled Sight versus Faith. And uh, But while you're opening your Bibles up there, remember everything is going on starting this uh, weekend coming up. Uh, on Saturday, uh, we'll be having a dinner concert here at the church. And if you would like to be a part of that dinner concert, you have to register. You have to sign up in the foyer. And today is your last opportunity to get signed up for that. We will be calling in the uh, numbers for the, ordering the food and all that tomorrow. And so if you're planning on being at dinner, take a minute, go out into the foyer and get signed up for that. And um, uh, so that'll be going on on Saturday night. Then, of course, Sunday morning, we'll have Dr. Shoemaker preaching all day Sunday. Uh, he'll be preaching in the morning. Also, uh, the Morels will be singing in our morning services. So we want you to be here for church Sunday morning, be able to enjoy that special music and the preaching of Dr. Uh, Shoemaker. Uh, then in the evening at 6 o'clock, uh, Dr. Shoemaker will be preaching, but we're going to be having a laying on of hand service. Uh, we have three uh, young men from our church that are uh, getting ordained. Pastor Dwan, you like that? I said young men. Amen. <laughs> and uh, they'll be getting ordained. There's a possibility we may also have uh, Michael Bolt from uh, Mainland Baptist Church. Uh, getting uh, ordained here at the church also. He'll be on the ordination council uh, on Saturday morning. And so we want you to be a part of that. That's a special time of uh, uh, ordaining young men into the gospel ministry. And then Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, next week, not this week, next week at 7 o'clock each night, uh, revival meetings. Dr. Shoemaker will be preaching every night. We'll have special music each night. And so... Uh, we don't want you to miss out on anything. I believe God has something special for you. I believe he has something special for me and certainly as for us as a church. Uh, God wants to do something great in our ministry and in our midst. For 40 years, God has been glorifying himself through Ocean County Baptist Church. And we give him the praise for everything that he has ever done and what he will do uh, in and through us. So sight versus faith. You should have your Bible open by now. John chapter 20 in uh, verse 21. Uh, then said Jesus to them again, peace be unto you. As my father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Uh, whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe." And after eight days again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side. Be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, uh, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. And many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. Sight versus faith. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be together this evening. We're thankful for the word of God. It's precious to us. And uh, Lord, we uh, read it, we meditate on it, we preach from it, we share it, uh, we study it. And God, we're so thankful for it. And so I pray that you'd speak to us in a special way tonight. Uh, may you increase our faith tonight. 
Lord, may we uh, turn away from just living in reference to things that we can see or physically and emotionally understand and comprehend, but may we be able to see, be see, able to see beyond those things uh, because we have an eye of faith. We have a heart of faith to be able to believe that God is the God of the impossible things. And so bless the preaching of the word of God tonight, and we'll give you praise and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text verse is verse 29. Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Sight versus faith. You know, this was a traumatic experience for his disciples to go through. Uh, they had watched the horrific beating of Jesus and the crucifixion of Christ. And uh, now they're living a life full of uncertainties. And I think of one thing about the year 2020, uh, it certainly can be marked as a year of uncertainties. It seems like every time we turn around, there is some new issue, some new uh, um, uh, thing that we have to deal with that's completely out of our control. And so we face the uncertain times. We're facing uncertain times in reference to this uh, presidential election that just went on and uh, what's going to be the outcome or what's going to take place and all these different things. And we have a tendency to be gripped with fear because of things that we see, things that we're watching. And as a result of it, it hinders our faith. Uh, these disciples were wondering if they would be arrested or not. Uh, their leader, their Messiah, their Savior was arrested. They would be wondering whether they also would be beaten and crucified because of their following Christ. And uh, they would desire, they were wondering whether the crowd would desire to be aggressively active going after them and uh, abusing them because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And so at this point in their life, they are scattered, they're hiding for fear, and fear is a terrible emotion to have to deal with. And it seems like more and more people are dealing with this emotion of fear. And I think it's because of the fact we're being directed and guided by sight rather than living through faith. And I heard a statistic the other day. It was saying about how many suicides, the suicide rate in America is skyrocketing right now. And why is that? Because of fear that's gripping people's hearts. And fear is a horrible thing. Why? First of all, fear alienates us from God. And uh, certainly in uh, Psalm 119 and 120 says, My flesh trembleth for fear of thee, and I am afraid of thy judgments. And so fear will alienate us from the presence of God, from the blessings of God, from the move of God in, in our lives. And so we don't want to be gripped with fear. If God has not given us a spirit of fear, then we need to live in that realm of faith, believing that God will minister his grace to us. And not only does fear alienate us from God, but it removes hope for the future. And uh, Luke chapter 21 and verse 26 says, Men's hearts failing them for fear and for looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken. And so men's hearts are failing them because they lose hope for tomorrow because they've been gripped by fear. And often when we look at just the world in which we live, we try to determine how we're going to respond and how we're going to live based on what we can see, based on what we can comprehend. The reality is uh, there isn't a whole lot of things that look too good. And, and certainly in 2020, there hasn't been a lot that you can look to and say, boy, that really looks hopeful. But through the, for the Christian because of our faith in Christ, we do have hope for the future. And we set our hope in God. That's what Psalm 72 says. And because we set our hope in God, we are not moved to a spirit of fear because of what we see. And these disciples were in the upper room. They were hiding because of all that they had watched. For all that they had seen take place, 
uh, they were gripped with fear. So fear will alienate us from God. Fear removes, removes uh, hope for the future. And fear isolates us from opportunities to serve the Lord. In uh, John chapter 20, in verse 19, says, The same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst because of them, uh, and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. Notice that their ability to interact with people, their ability to minister the word of God in the grace of Christ with people, their ability to, to be able to serve others in fulfilling God's commands in their life was hindered because they were fearful and they were hiding in the upper room. I'm afraid there's been so many people that have been gripped with fear that it has hindered their ability to serve the Lord because they have been entrapped by this emotion of fear. They're afraid to go out. They're afraid to interact. They're afraid to accomplish things. They're try afraid to interact with other people. And so fear has completely locked us down. Fear has completely gripped our heart to a point where it has hindered our ability to minister and to serve the Lord and to minister and serve others. Second Timothy 1.7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And if God has given those things to us, then we do not have to be overwrought with fear in our life because of the things that we see. We need to live a life through the eyes of faith, believing God is greater and more stronger than all these things. The Lord will, was dead he was buried, but now he is alive. And they needed to live in reference to the faith in what Jesus Christ warned them and told them that would take place. The challenge is to move from sight to believing. It is, the challenge is to move from faith, uh, from, uh, from sight into faith, believing God. Thomas was told by Jesus, blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. There are many things you will not be able to see, but you can believe. I believe heaven is real. I've never seen it. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross. I didn't see and witness the day that he died on the cross. I believe that Jesus Christ rose out of the grave victorious over death, but I haven't seen a physical Jesus. And, but I can tell you this, the things that I believe are settled and secured through faith to know that what God has so stated he would do and what God has declared he has done is real and it gives me hope for tomorrow because of faith, not because of what I see. I'll tell you what I see going on just discourages me and I have to keep telling the Lord, blind my eyes so that I don't see what's going on but build my faith so I'll rejoice in the goodness of my God. And these disciples needed the Lord to increase their faith because they were responding by sight. So let's consider this, sight versus faith. First of all, realize the limitations of sight, the limitations of sight. Look over in John chapter 4. Now, I put a lot of verses on the, script, on the screens this morning, so you're going to have to turn your Bible tonight. Amen. In John chapter 4... In uh, verse 41, I want you to see that the limitations of sight is that sight hinders faith. In uh, John chapter 4, in verse 41, it says, And many more believed because of his word. Now we know this is where Jesus is with the Samaritan woman and he reveals who he is to the Samaritan woman uh, and she believes on Christ. She goes into the city and shares all that Christ has done for her. They had not seen Christ personally. They had not seen Christ working a miracle but they are believing based on his word that was shared. And so uh, sight will hinder you from believing 
because things don't go the way that you think they ought to go or they, things don't look as positive as you think they should be. In John chapter 4, in verse 46, Jesus came <clears throat> again to Cain of Galilee where he made water wine and uh, says, And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. And when he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said, I'm sorry, then said Jesus unto him, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. That was a convicting statement. Because the Jew was always wanting to seek for a sign. And uh, he says, unless you're going to see something, you're not going to believe. He is stating the fact that uh, sight would hinder his ability to have faith. And so then he goes on, he says, The nobleman said unto him, Sir, come down, ere my child die. He's focusing on he wants to see something happen. And then verse 50, Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. And while he was now going... Uh, down, the, his servants met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. His conversation with Christ begins with, You need to come down to my house. Uh, his conversation with Jesus is focused on the fact when Christ I, uh, reveals this to him that he is wanting to be able to see something, but there was something greater that God was going to do that Jesus was going to do in his life that did not require him to see anything. He just needed to have faith to believe. And as a result of it, Jesus heals this man's son. And as he's going in faith believing, his servants come to him and acknowledge the fact that his son is alive. So the limitations of sight, if you just want to live in the realm of what you can see, if you just want to live in the realm of what you can comprehend, uh, you're limiting the ability of what God can do beyond what you can see. And so I want to live in the realm of faith, believing, because sight always hinders me. Here's what happens. You see something going on and you won't go because you're afraid. You see the opposition and you think, well, God can't do that, so I'm going to not go. I know my wife and I went to Bible college. I often say there's a fine line between faith and foolishness. And, uh, but I can tell you this, I didn't, at the time, I didn't know whether we were being foolish or whether we were walking in faith, but we believed God called us and we just left and went. And I'm going to tell you, if I had looked at all the problems that we were going to have, if I had looked at all the finances that we were going to have to deal with, I know when we were in Bible college, I had sprained my ankle like some idiot going out and trying to play tennis. Then I stepped on the edge of the court and popped my ankle out. We had no money. We had no medical insurance. We had nothing. And you, if you look at that and say, well, I can't go because I don't have medical insurance, we would have never went. If we looked at it and said, oh, this is what it's going to cost us. Oh, we're going to get into an apartment and the neighbor down the street, down the, the row house apartments that we were in, the one guy was, was so filthy, he had cockroaches so bad that they went in every apartment in that row house. Uh, they literally said when they went in to spray for the cockroaches, that cockroaches were falling off the ceiling and they were crunching them as they were walking. There were so many of them on the floor. Doesn't that just make you feel itchy? <laughs> if I had looked at and was able to see that that apartment that I thought was going to be a blessing was going to be, end up having to deal with cockroaches, I'm going to tell you one thing right now. I wouldn't have went there. And so we, listen, we try to look at life through the eyes, the lens that God has given us, the eye gates God has given us, but that eyesight will hinder you from doing something for God. And we need to have faith to believe whether Jesus is going with us or whether he's going to visual, visually show us something that, wait a minute, through faith, God can do what he has promised to do in our life and I don't want my eyesight to limit my faith to be able to see God do miraculous things. 
eyesight always hinders us. Stop looking through the eyes in your head and start looking through faith that's in your heart. And so the sight limits uh, faith. It hinders faith. It denies scripture. Sight, limitations of sight is that it denies scriptures. In Luke chapter 16, I'll just read this for you in verse 31. It says, he went unto him and uh, said unto him, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they per be persuaded the one rose from the dead. See, the thing is this, uh, the, the rich man as he dies and he's in, in heaven, I mean, the rich man dies and he is in hell. His desire was that God would send Lazarus back to talk to his brothers and his family about this place that was so horrible, this place of hell. And Jesus' response was simply this, if they're not going to believe Moses and the prophets, what's that? The word of God, the scriptures. If they're not going to believe the scriptures, they're not going to believe or respond to someone they see rising from the dead. What's he saying this? That if you can have sight to see, and you're going to make decisions by based on what you see, it has a tendency to cause you to deny what the Word of God has to say. And so we have to have faith to believe that the Word of God says there is a place that's called hell, and if man will not be saved, he will not be born again, uh, then he will not be saved from that place of torment. And so our sight, we look at things and say, well, everything goes, goes okay. Why does somebody have to be saved? I mean, there, uh, I see blessings in people's lives. It seems like the world keeps going on and everything continues as it has from the beginning. And so sight will cause us to deny the scriptures when the scriptures are clear that all who die without Jesus Christ as their Savior will go to a place of torment, which is hell. And so the limitations of sight will hinder faith, and it will deny the scriptures, but also it rebels against God. Back in Numbers, we'll look at Numbers chapter of, uh, of 13 and verse 33. It'll cause you to rebel against God. God had made promises to Israel. And as he made promises to Israel, and this is Numbers chapter 13, uh, he promised about them going into the promised land and God would bless him. And uh, in Numbers chapter 13 and verse 33, uh, let me, if I can get over there, I'll get over there. Amen, sooner or later. And uh, in Numbers chapter 13 and verse 33, it says, And there we saw the giants. And there's the problem. Sight always makes you see the problem as bigger than what God can deal with. It says, And, when, and there, there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our sight as grasshoppers. And so we were... In their sight. Notice their, their thought process, their comprehension of who they were uh, was experienced before the giants experienced it. Oftentimes we have a tendency when we look at things that seem are bigger than what we can deal with, we come to a conclusion about who we are before the enemy even comes to a conclusion about who we are. And so he says, we were in our eyes. What we saw in reference to who we were was simply grasshoppers. And as a result of that, we were in their sight as grasshoppers also. And so, listen, we often people talk about self-esteem and all these things. Uh, we just need to see who we are in Christ Jesus. And if we are just living by sight, we see the enemy as being bigger and stronger than what we are, then we're not going to step out by faith and receive the blessing from God. And the children of Israel saw themselves as less than what God had declared them to be. And as a result of this fact that the way they lived their life, the way they responded to the opportunity to go into the promised land caused the enemy to look down on them. And I just think this. I think Christians ought to hold their head high. I really do. 
I think Christians ought to be, rejoice in the fact that we're the children of God. And I'm not talking about fleshly boasting and pride. I'm talking about glorying in the Lord. I'm talking about have faith to believe that, listen, we are better, we are greater, we are stronger than what the world can deal with rather than we looking at the world as being greater, stronger, and, and, and having the ability that we can't deal with it. We, it will cause you to rebel against God. God had told them to go into the promised land, and they saw themselves as something that God had not planned for them to view themselves as. Chapter 14 of Numbers in verse 8 says, If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. May I say this, whatever promise God makes, it is a good promise. And verse 9 says, Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land. And may I say, when we look at things through our physical eyes, we will see the, the opposition as being greater and stronger than the reality of what it is, and it will cause us to rebel against the Lord. For they are, he says, for they are bread for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. But here's the problem. Here's where the sight comes in. But all the congregation bade stone them with stones. May I say this? When you stand for God in faith, believing that God can do what he's promised you to do, even believers aren't going to get on board with it. And they, when they heard this, that they were saying, God, don't rebel against God. Let's go in and take the land. They said, let's, let's stone them with stones. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, how long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be ere they believe me for all the signs which I have showed among them? And so God confronts Moses about their rebellion against him. Why did they rebel against their God? Because of what they saw. The limitations of sight. We as Christians do not make decisions based on what we see. We as a church ministry, this church has been here for 40 years, and I can guarantee you it has not been here for 40 years because the decisions it's made over 40 years has always been based on what they can see. This church has stepped out by faith. This building, this church was started by faith. This building was built by faith. Then building over here was built by faith. Our Christian school was started in faith. Our, our building that we built for the Christian school and for Sunday school classes was built in faith. I'm just saying this. You can't make decisions based on what you see because it will cause you to rebel against God because you'll think that you can't accomplish it. The limitations of sight. Oh, I need God to put blinders on my eyes so I might be able to see in faith. So the blessed are they that have not seen, yet have believed. So the limitations of sight. I see the expansion of faith. The expansion of faith. Look over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 5. The expansion of faith is this. As sight will hinder your hope, sight will hinder your ability to trust God. Faith, the expansion of faith, it will provide hope in your life. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 5, Paul says, Now he that hath wrought us is the, for the selfsame thing is God, who also hath given unto us the earnest or the down payment of the Spirit. And so Paul wants them to understand that what they were experiencing, what God was doing, uh, was a miraculous thing and working in their life. And verse 6 is, therefore, we are always confident. Listen, don't allow the struggles in the world and the corruption that is in the world to cause you to not be confident about your relationship with the Lord. He says, we are always confident. 
knowing that whiles we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. Then he tells his wife, for we walk by faith and not by sight. And so our life is a life of faith. It's not a life of sight. And then in verse 8, he says, we are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so faith provides hope. It expands our opportunities to believe that God has something better, something greater for us than what we can see going on in this world. Uh, I, I can tell you right now, I, I, never, I never saw with my eyes and thought in my heart that I would ever be a pastor of this church. Never. I knew how this church started. I knew the history of the church. I, knew I said, there is no way that I'd ever be. It didn't even enter into my mind. Uh, you know, when I went out to start a church, you know, there was all kinds of things you could see going on, but you have to have faith to believe God. God expands through faith your opportunities. I remember when we was going to rent a house up in Oakhurst so we could start the church up there. Uh, we went to we went to see this uh, house, and back then it was a lot of money. It was uh, I think it was six hundred and fifty dollars a month. You would like to rent a house today for six hundred and fifty a month? Hey, man. <laughs> that was a lot of money, man. I'll tell you, six hundred and fifty a month, and we had to have a month and a half plus a month's rent paid up front in order to get in. And I'm looking at this place, and I told her I was coming there to start a church. And uh, I said, well, we'd like to have the house. She said, well, can you put a deposit down? I said, sure. I said, will you take $20? <laughs> and she said, you are kidding me. I said, no, all I have is $20. Will you take $20? And she said, are you going to be able to get the down payment? And I said, yeah, I'll be able to get the down payment. She said, you have to have it in two weeks. I said, that's all right. The Lord will provide it for me. And uh, I, I remember I, uh, when I went up there, God did provide for me. And I was praying. I had come home because I would go to work, and I would have to come home. And, and uh, I'd, I'd lived in my van because we didn't have a place to live. My wife stayed with my, my parents, and I would come home to see them two days. And I went over to church and uh, uh, on a Wednesday night, I believe it was, if I remember, and uh, as I went in the church, uh, my pastor came to me and said, hey, Mike, how are you making out? I said, you're doing good, man. God's providing for me. He said, you get a house? I said, we found a house. I said, you know, we're, the Lord has opened it up, and uh, we're planning on uh, putting our deposit down and everything else. And he said this to me. He said, you know, we had a deacon's meeting, and the Lord laid it on our hearts in the deacon's meeting that we want to give you some money f towards your house rental." And now I never told him how much the rental was. I never told him what my deposit was. I never told him anything. I was literally $500 short of having the money that I needed the very next day. And he told me this. He said, we had a deacon's meeting. We decided the Lord laid on our hearts to give you $500. And I'll tell you one thing right now. And that put me right where I needed to be. I went to the bank. I went up and saw the lady and she was like, the realtor, she was like, well, do you have the money? I said, yeah, God gave me the money. We're in good shape. And, and she said, you do? How are you going to pay it? I said, with cash. And she said, with cash? I said, yeah. And I had a wad of $20 bills. And I pulled that wad of 20s out, and I started counting out like 1600 and some dollars in $20 bills. She said, you got to be kidding me. I said, hey, God takes care of me. I'm going to tell you, if I had looked at that, through the eyes of human reason, I would have never said, take $20 and, and, uh, uh, for a deposit on the house. My wife and I, a house that we have, we bought that. They said, well, you know, it is customary when you go to look at a house to buy, you're supposed to put a deposit down. And uh, they said, I said, well, how much? Uh, much they, and I said, a deposit. I said, how much? She said, well, how much do you have? I said, well, I got $100. That's how we bought our house. I give them a $100 deposit. I, I'm just saying this. Sight always hinders us from believing that God can do something that's out of our control. But the expansion of faith is it provides hope. And I can guarantee you there are things in your life that you can have faith to believe God is going to open a door and do something that you're not going to be able to explain.
I could stand here for hours. I mean literally hours and testify of things that God has done in providing hope in my life to know that he'll see me through. Not only does it provide hope, but it secures a foundation. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 and you, you know you know Hebrews chapter 11 is the great faith chapter. I know you love reading the book of Hebrews and uh, it gets you all stirred up about uh, theology and the book of Leviticus and all that good stuff. And so we'll look in the book of Hebrews, if I can get the Hebrews. And I keep passing it over and I pass it back the other way. You ever do that when you're trying to open up your Bible? And you say, what are you saying all that for? I'm wasting time so I can get to the verse. <laughs> Uh, expansion of faith, it secures a foundation. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is not deciding something based on what you can see. Faith, however, it says in verse 2, for by it the elders obtain a good report through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. And so we need to move into the plane of faith because through faith, the foundations are secure. Faith in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 23 opens up opportunities for us. And I want to always be living by faith. You know, it's easy to be a pastor and get comfortable it's easy as a Christian to be settled into a church and just get comfortable. And it's easy just to allow our lives to just exist based on the things that we determine, based on the things that we understand, based on the things that we experience. And God wants to take us to a different plane. And he wants to take us into the plane of opportunity through faith. Notice Hebrews 11 in verse 23, faith gives us life. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. I just want to know this. What are you willing to do in bringing life that's by faith that opposes, that opposes everything that's going on in our society? Working the will and the miraculous move of God in spite of what the government tells us not to do. Gives life. It brings conviction. Notice in verse 24, by faith when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto recompense of the reward. Conviction. How we need to have conviction to believe that God, is, it doesn't matter whether we suffer or whether we lose possessions or whether we're questioned or whatever happens, we have a conviction that it is better to live the Christian life than to esteem the riches of the world is better for us. I've watched, listen, for 35 years, I have watched parents raise their kids and get to a point where there are teenagers in the church that all of a sudden now they need to go into the public school or all of a sudden now they need to be experiencing what the world has to offer. All of a sudden we think, well, my children cannot be spiritual or my life cannot impact others. And so I just need to go along with the things of the world. Where's the conviction in the life of a Christian? Conviction comes with, through faith. Because I'm going to tell you, conviction doesn't go along with the trends in the world. And it's not easy to take a stand for God and refuse to have the things of the world. Conviction. Notice deliverance. Faith brings deliverance. Verse 27 says, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he, endure, uh, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. 
Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, lest that he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Deliverance. God set them free. Verse 29, by faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians, a saying to do, were drowned. See, faith that brings deliverance puts the Christian in a position of accomplishing something that the world cannot do. The world does not understand, they cannot comprehend, they cannot experience, they cannot accomplish what the Christian can do. The world looks at us and says, you are some weird people. And we say, hallelujah, we are, the Bible says we're a peculiar people. And so we live by faith to do things that set us free when you can't be set free. And so we live in faith. And then in verse 30, it brings victory. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. Now I'm going to tell you something. It may take you living a life of faith for a time period. They didn't just cross over Jordan and say, okay, we're going to go over to Jericho. And as we approach, the walls are going to fall down. It took them seven days of demonstrating their faith in God. That God knocked the walls of Jericho down. And I don't know what the time frame is God has for you to exercise your faith. But I know this, in God's timing, your faith will bring victory. Corey Tin Boone said this. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. We sing a song, I know who holds the future. We know who holds tomorrow. We, we talk about God being in control of all things, but do we actually have faith to live like he does? Ronald Reagan said this, we are never defeated unless we give up on God. Amen. You say, oh, the elections. Oh, woe is me. What's going to happen? Biden said that he won. Oh, my goodness, but it hasn't been certified or anything. What are we going to do with the election? I'm going to tell you what we're going to do. We're going to have faith in God to believe that God's going to do something in spite of man. Charles Wesley said this, Faith, mighty faith, the promise sees and looks to God alone, laughs at impossibilities, and cries, it shall be done. And so sight versus faith. I don't know about you. I'd rather walk in faith than walk in sight. Well, here's the last thought. You say, hallelujah, come to the end. Dr. Malone always told us when you're preparing a sermon, it's like an airplane taking off. And as you start to take off, you propel and you got the energy up and you're pushing off and you're flying high and you're soaring for the Lord. But don't forget the plan of landing. So here comes the landing. <laughs> I scare myself sometimes, I tell you. The expressions of faith. Notice expressions of faith is a saving of the soul. I'm thankful that God is still in the business of saving the souls of men. I'm so, I am so thankful that back in 1979, God broke my heart with just the reality that people were dying and going to hell. And I'm thankful over these 35 years that God's still in the business of saving the soul. I still believe people can get saved in 2020. We might have to approach it differently. We have to do things differently. But I believe that God wants to get somebody saved. We had three visitors, three first-time visitors in our 11 o'clock service this morning. There are people coming in and say, I talked to one, one of the visitors, I said, did, did somebody invite you to church? Why did you come here? I was shocked. <laughs> and they said, well, we've been looking for a church. We saw you on the internet. We thought we'd try you out. I said, well, amen. <laughs> Listen, God is still in the business of saving souls. Don't allow COVID-19 to get us despondent to a point where we think that God can't do what he's done in the past because I know this, he can do beyond what he's done in the past because he's in the business of saving souls. 
I'm thankful that he's in the business of securing the believer. In John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31, after the many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Every time I read that verse, I think of how much Christ did on this earth that's not recorded for us. The books could not contain all that Jesus did. In verse 31, it says, but these are written. So he has recorded something for us. That you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. He is not only in the business of saving the souls, but he's still in the business of securing the believer. I'm glad I'm secure in Jesus Christ. I'm glad that back when I was in Bible college, in the sophomore year of Bible college, I got gotten saved in 79, but I never got baptized. I was under conviction and knew I needed to be baptized, but I didn't get baptized. And I'm thankful that in my sophomore year, Dr. Tom Malone Jr. preached a message entitled Judas Iscariot, a man who walked with God for three years and died and went to hell. And I'm thankful that the conviction of the Holy Spirit came on my heart and I trembled in my soul because I thought I was lost and on my way to hell. I went to Dr. Malone and I talked to him about it and shared with him how I got saved. And he said, Mike, it's simple. You're not obedient to the Lord. You've never been baptized. I said, well, I'm getting baptized this Sunday. And I'm not an eerie, spooky, emotional type of guy. But I'm going to tell you one thing. What, there's two times in my life as a young Christian where I experienced anointing and move of God. And one of them is when I was baptized. And God tell you, when they put me under that water and I came out of that water, I came out a different person. The Spirit of God was upon me. And I was assured of the fact that I'd never lose my salvation. I'm secure in Jesus Christ. These folks want to believe you can lose your salvation? Go ahead and lose it because it ain't the kind of salvation I got. Amen. 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 Tom's wearing me out back there. He keeps shouting amen. I got to keep preaching. Amen. <laughs> the expressions of faith is saving the soul, is securing the believer, and is serving others. That, in a nutshell, is the life of a Christian. It's a life of faith. We have faith to believe that saves our soul. The faith that we believe that saved our soul secures us for eternity. And because we're secured throughout eternity, we want to be a help, a servant to others. Expressions of faith. Yeah, how can you do that? By faith. Charles Spurgeon said this. Faith obliterates time annihilates distance and brings future things at once into its possession. And so time is not a factor. You say, well, I've been saved 20 years. I've been saved 50 years. And it doesn't matter. Faith takes you longer in your life living for the glory of God. Faith annihilates distance. You say, well, I really believe that God's going to do something in my life. Well, have faith to believe to get a little bit closer. You know, I'm excited about what God's going to do, but God, I want you to do something right now. I want to have faith enough to see God do something right now in my personal life and in the life and the ministry of this church and in your life, because it is faith through faith that I can bring the future into the presence. And I know that I'm going to heaven in the future, but I'd like to enjoy a little bit of heaven right now. I'd like to be able to be thrilled and excited. I know when I get to heaven, there'll be no more tears. I know there'll be times of rejoicing forever in heaven, but I'd like to get a little happy once in a while right now. Amen. It would be nice if Christians just got happy in the Lord once in a while. I was listening to a song just coming over the church today. And it was, I don't know what it was called, but they were singing in reference to rise, rise. And it was all this thing talking about rising up. 
And I, I, I tell you, I don't know the name of the song. I don't know who sang it. I don't know whatever. But I got thinking, well, wouldn't it be exciting to be preaching the word of God? And all we're singing the ride by rising in the Lord. And people just started getting up. Started standing up. Well, glory to God. Man, I'll tell you, let's get up and be happy in the Lord. Amen. You say, you're a nut. That's okay. I'm a nut for Jesus. I tell you, churches have become too dead. Churches have become nothing but worldly entertainment centers trying to entice people in. And I'm going to tell you what's going to make a difference in people's lives is having faith in Christ and Christ alone. So sight versus faith. You want to live in a life and in a world of limitations? Then then live your life by sight. If you want to be able to live a life that's powerful and exciting and thrilling, then live a life of faith. Listen, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is my God. The Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, is my Savior. And I rejoice in all the testimonies and all the things that have happened in other people's lives that God has done. But I'm going to tell you, I don't want to read about what God's done in somebody else's life. I don't want to read what God did in church so-and-so. I want to say God did this in my life. God did this in my church. And God is the one who is being exalted and lifted up. We're believing him for things that are impossible to be able to take place. Well, I want to go to faith in prayer, in faith, believing. And this is what I like to do as we close. Why don't we just take some time to pray a prayer of faith, believing God for things that are impossible in our life. And you'd like, come to the altar. Let's just kneel here and pray. We don't need any music. We don't need any enticing to come. We just need to go to God in prayer, believing that all things are possible the him that believeth. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what you're trying to overcome. I don't know what has gripped you with fear. I don't know what has hemmed you in. I don't know what has stopped you from moving ahead spiritually. But I know this, that God can release you tonight if you have a prayer of faith believing. Pray in faith believing. Let's go to God in prayer. We come to you in faith believing tonight that all things are possible to him that believeth. God, we are longing, uh, hungering, oh God. We're thirsting for a fresh anointing from you. God, we cry out to you tonight asking for you to send thy Holy Spirit afresh and anew upon us that we might experience an anointing and a move of God that cannot be explained. I pray, O God, as we prepare for this anniversary coming up and celebrating uh, your faithfulness to us over all these years, uh, God, we're asking you uh, to do something in our midst uh, that cannot be explained by human eyes and human reason but only can be acknowledged that it was the grace of God that moved upon us. And so, God, I pray for your blessing tonight. There's many have been praying and pursuing you in faith, believing. We've been spending the last 40 days and praying and asking for your blessing upon us. And so, God, I pray um, that you would not just hear our prayers, but that you would answer us in accordance with your will. Lord, we, we, we dare not place demands before you. We simply humble ourselves in your presence and are satisfied to see the move of God where we can testify that it was God and God alone. Thank you, Lord, for meeting with us tonight. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you for the preciousness of the word of God. Thank you, Lord, that we can be blessed when we haven't seen, but yet we believe. And so, Lord, we praise you, we love you, we exalt you, 
in all that you are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.